0: Today on Blue58, one game from the Super Bowl, the Packers face a familiar opponent in the San Francisco 49ers. How can they get to the biggest of the big shows? Here are eight ways it can happen. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Muirdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. This is a preview episode, but it's not going to be like most of the preview episodes that we do. We're not going to spend time walking through each and every player or position group on on the San Francisco roster. I feel like at this point in the season, we have a pretty good idea who the San Francisco 49ers are, what they're about, and, and things like that. This is more about the feel heading into this game. And for me, that feeling is one of confidence. Not confidence that the Packers are necessarily going to win. Not confidence that they are Necessarily on equal footing with the 49ers. That's not really the point. The point is, they know what the 49ers are about. The Packers are well known to the 49ers. And that's kind of an interesting place to be. One of the things that I like to do when I think about and talk about games and write about them and and whatever is to search for how that makes me feel compared to something that I've experienced in my past and what. What comes to mind for this game is a playoff game in the state, state playoffs uh, my senior year of high school. I don't know what you're thinking. He's going to go on and, and talk about his, his glory days of high school. But no, this, this is not really what that's about. Uh, the team that we were up against, I believe it was the sectional semifinal my senior year, was well, well known to us. They'd been a regional power for quite some time. And they'd been one of the best teams in the state for quite some time. And everybody kind of knew what they were about. Everybody knew how they played. They knew what they did well. They knew what they didn't do so well, which was very few things. And so in practice that week, coming in as a team that was not favored to win, we felt like there was really no downside for us. We felt loose in practice. We felt like we understood what we had to do if we wanted a shot to beat them. And so we took that into that game. Feeling good, feeling confident, feeling like at least we knew what was coming. Now, the downside of the story is that we got handled pretty good in that game. We didn't win, and we did not win pretty convincingly. But That's beside the point here. The point I'm trying to make is that these are, at this point in the season, with three total games left on the NFL schedule this year, There aren't really any surprises anymore. On the AFC side, we know who the Titans and the Chiefs are. The Titans are going to run the ball. The Chiefs are a laser light show on offense led by one of the most exciting players in the league. Same on the NFC side. We know what the 49ers are about. We know what the Packers are about. All we have to do is play the game and hope the Packers win. And what I'd like to do in this podcast is present a few ways that the Packers can win this game. First, we need to talk about what's different since the last time the Packers and 49ers played. On the 49ers side, I think functionally the biggest difference for them is just getting a few guys back and losing a couple guys for that matter. The guys they're getting back are both good and important to the San Francisco effort. They didn't have Joe Staley last time the Packers played the 49ers. There's one of their starting tackles. He's important. They didn't have Matt Breida, their nominal one, number one running back, though they do use a rotation. Just having another body there is going to help the 49ers. He is coming back in this game. They did not have D Ford the last time the Packers and 49ers played. He is perhaps their most valuable complimentary Ed rusher when you talk about guys who line up along with Nick Bosa and try to make things difficult for opposing quarterbacks. He was hurt last time the Packers played the 49ers. This time he will be full go. Same goes for Quan Alexander, one of their outstanding linebackers. They have lost a couple guys. Their starting center, Weston Richburg, is going to be out, as will starting nose tackle DJ Jones. Jones in particular is of interest to me because he gave Corey Lindsley a bunch of trouble last time around. In fact, all of the Uh, San Francisco sort of interior defenders really made things difficult for the him, which is kind of a surprise considering how stout and consistent Corey Lindsley tends to be. That was a little bit unusual to see. On the flip side, some things have changed for the Packers, and two that I would like to really talk about both happen on the offensive side of the ball. First, Devontae Adams is fully reintegrated into the offense. Devontae Adams started out the season really strong. He finished the season really strong, but there was a stretch near the middle where even though he was back from his toe injury, his turf toe injury, he wasn't really back. It seemed like the offense was disjointed and wasn't really sure how to use him. The 49ers game was smack in the middle of that stretch. How he plays in this one is probably not going to be quite as productive as as we saw last week, but it should be different than what we saw the last time around. The Packers often seems to have figured out how to use him in complement to their other pieces, which is a good thing to do, obviously. Second, the Packers' offensive line is healthier and deeper, actually, if it comes to that as well. Brian Bulaga left early the last time the, the Packers and 49ers played, very early in fact, so it was Alex Light for a bulk of the game. That's not a good position for the Packers to be in. Fortunately, Brian Bulaga, is back seems to be over his flu bug, and even if he can't go, it's not going to be Alex Light this time. It'll be Jared Veldhier stepping in at right tackle if Brian Bulaga can't go. That is a good position for the Packers to be in. On the defensive side, the Packers have done a much better job limiting big plays since that 49ers game, but really, it's roughly, roughly the same unit doing roughly the same thing. Ibrahim Campbell's a little bit more integrated, but still, this is the Packers' defense as it's been for most of the season. Very healthy unit. They're going to do the things that we expect uh, from the Packers' defense. So can the Packers win? Absolutely. In fact, I thought about calling this Eight Ways the Packers Will Win, but I chickened out. That would be a prediction that I don't necessarily want to hang my hat on. Who cares about my predictions anyway, by the way? I'm just a guy with a podcast talking about the Packers. I, I'm not a big predictions guy, though I do try to do one for every preview podcast. Not so much this time, because who cares? My prediction for this game is kind of awful either way. If I'm a realist, the Packers probably should lose this game, but being a wet blanket is no fun. And if I'm an optimist, I will say the Packers will win this game, but then I'm a homer. And this podcast is probably more for homers than non-homers, but still feel a little bit wishy-washy about that. So let's not worry about predicting what will happen. Let's talk about some ways the Packers can win this game. I'm going to do this drawing from a few archetypal, archetypal games from the Packers and 49ers' recent past as we look at how this could play out. And the first way I think the Packers could win is what I'm calling the Minnesota Vikings killer. What is this? Well, this is the theory that of all the teams that the Packers have played this year, the Minnesota Vikings are probably most like the San Francisco 49ers. You've got a zone-based running scheme that is their primary attack off the Shanahan tree, no less, with Gary Kubiak doing things in Minnesota. You've got a quarterback who's really more of a game manager, but not necessarily uh, less than that, not necessarily a lot more than that either. And then you've got a strong defense with a really good pass rush. Broadly speaking, that's what the Vikings are, and that's what the San Francisco 49ers are too. Now, the Packers beat the Vikings twice using this strategy this year, a strategy designed to beat the Vikings. Just control the ball, uh, run with Aaron Jones, and let the Vikings kind of beat themselves. Could it work against the 49ers? Yeah, probably. I like a couple things about this approach. It relies on what the Packers do well. You run the ball, you rely on your pass rush to make things difficult for the opposing quarterback, and then you pass strategically instead of passing exclusively. That seems like a recipe for success for the Packers. But there's also some reasons it might not work as well. The 49ers— as you may have noticed this past weekend, also beat the Vikings. And they stopped Minnesota's attempts to do what the Packers would probably try to do to the 49ers as well. And as it so happens, the 49ers also beat the Packers earlier this year. So take that strategy with a bit of a grain of salt. The second way the Packers could win this weekend is with the method I'm calling Aaron Jones and only Aaron Jones. What is it? Well, it's giving Aaron Jones the ball about as much as you possibly can, which has worked in the past for the Packers and in different ways. They handed him the ball a bunch against the Vikings two times and against the Lions, and they won. Then they threw him the ball a whole bunch against the Chiefs, and they won there. They even gave him the ball a whole bunch of times against the Seahawks, and he didn't necessarily do all that much. He got two red zone or inside the five touchdowns, and then they also won there too. I like this because Aaron Jones is a very good player and giving him the ball has worked before. It's worked very well for the Packers. But it might not work because the 49ers did such a good job of stopping Aaron Jones the last time around that the Packers pretty much just stopped giving him the ball. That could happen again. It could happen very easily. If things start going south for the Packers, it probably will. To use this strategy, the Packers are going to have to keep things close and that allows to Aaron Aaron Jones to have as much leverage as possible as you try to implement him into your offense. The third way the Packers could win this weekend is by tricking the 49ers into thinking the game is actually next week. So in this approach, we, the fans, and anybody who really wants to volunteer put together like an all fronts media campaign, social media. So we're talking TV, internet, radio, whatever it takes to get the 49ers to believe that the game is actually a week from Sunday instead of this coming Sunday. So think of that one episode of The Office where Michael Scott falls asleep after eating an entire chicken pot pie and everybody moves all of the clocks forward. They get him to think it's five o'clock. Everybody leaves. They, They go home happy. I like this because it helps the Packers stay fresh for the Super Bowl since they don't have to play another game before the Super Bowl actually happens. So this is a great approach if you're trying to get the Packers to the Super Bowl injury-free. If they don't have to actually play the game at all, that would be a very successful way to do things. This might not work because the game has been pretty well publicized already, so getting the 49ers to think that it's actually a week from now, as well as honestly all of their fans too. That that could be a problem since it seems like the 49ers already know when this game is happening. And then we would also need access to both the NFL, the 49ers, the Packers, and ESPN's websites to change all of the dates. That is not impossible, but it seems very hard to do and we're kind of running out of time. So this podcast is going to come out tomorrow morning or Friday morning. Uh, so by that time, it's going to be pretty close. We're going to have to do a lot of work. Friday afternoon probably to get this plan done. The Packers would also probably have to not commit to showing up to the game until the very last minute, which would be risky because if they don't show up and the 49ers do, then the Packers forfeit and this whole plan doesn't work at all. So it's a little bit risky, maybe not the best plan, but it is an option that we have. The fourth approach is something that I'm calling the defensive juggernaut. What is it? Well, this is where you rely on the Packers' defense. They have one of their dominating performances and really just get after the 49ers and force them into a bunch of mistakes. The Packers are able to take advantage of enough of those mistakes that they come out victorious on Sunday. I like this plan because as we talked about on the last show that we did, of the points that you can attack on the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the most obvious weak link. I want to emphasize again that he is not a bad quarterback. Don't misunderstand me. He he is a good player. He's played very well for the 49ers at times this year. But if there is a part of this team that is going to fail, it's probably him. Just looking at their defense, there weren't a lot of down weeks for the 49ers defense this year. Same goes for their running game. Same goes for George Kittle. But the guy who did have the most impactful bad games for the 49ers was Jimmy Garoppolo. So if the Packers can get to him, make him screw up, that could result in a win. If they can get a lot of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo and force him into a couple big mistakes, maybe they come out with a win on Sunday. This might not work because the Packers' defense has been good but not necessarily dominating all season. In fact, I think it's really hard to point to one defensive performance where they really grabbed on to a, an elite quarterback and just shut him down. Kirk Cousins was rolling when they played him in Week 16, and the Packers all but destroyed the Vikings by getting to him, but he is probably not the best example of an elite-tier quarterback, and to be fair, neither is Jimmy Garoppolo, but a whole bunch of teams have tried this approach, focusing on him, and they haven't always succeeded. He's had as many games this season with a passer rating over 110 as with ones under 100. His best game of the season by passer rating was actually against the Packers when they tried this approach of trying to get to Jimmy Garoppolo as often as they could. So there are some downsides here. Banking on your defense kind of presupposes that your defense is actually going to play well when you need them to play their absolute best game of the season. The fifth way the Packers could go about beating the 49ers is what I am referring to as a really specific kind of career game from Devontae Adams. He had a great game last weekend, but he needs an even better one this weekend, and he has to do it within specific parameters. Prior to the Seattle game, the Packers were just 2-7, including regular season and postseason, when Devontae Adams had 130 yards or more receiving. They were actually also 0-4 when he had more than 140 yards. The only two wins in that 2-7 record were two games where he had 132 yards and also two touchdowns. So in this scenario, if the Packers want to win this way, they need Devontae Adams to have a big yardage game, but also score multiple touchdowns. And I know that's like galaxy brain thinking, yes, you have a better chance at winning when you score more points. Believe it or not, that does hold true in all situations. I check the analytics on that. Uh, The more points you score, the more often you win. I do like this because watching Devontae Adams just go bananas is fun. He doesn't even have to be the primary focus of the offense for this to happen. He can be a complimentary partner to Aaron Jones. So conceivably, you could uh, uh, combine approach number two, just let Aaron Jones go nuts, with approach number five and have career games from both Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams seems like a worthwhile strategy to me. This might not work because only six players have managed 100 or more receiving yards against the 49ers in the the 2019 season. And of those six players, only one of those performances actually came in a win. Julio Jones, in the game that we talked about on the last episode when the Falcons upset the 49ers, had 13 catches for 134 yards and two touchdowns. That is the only time a 100-yard receiver has been on the winning side Uh, when it's come up against the 49ers this year. The sixth way the Packers can win is with an Aaron Rodgers throwback special. So we've talked about Aaron Jones, we've talked about Devontae Adams, but perhaps the most straightforward way for the Packers to win on Sunday is for Aaron Rodgers to do the like demigod tier Aaron Rodgers things that he used to do in the playoffs on a fairly regular basis. I like this because seeing Aaron Rodgers do cool things is just awesome. And it's not necessarily as impossible as you might think against the 49ers. We talked about Drew Brees going bananas against the 49ers defense in their near upset of the 49ers, 48-46. That final score, that was a wild game. Uh, That is not impossible, I don't think, for Aaron Rodgers. He's had big games this season. He beat up on the Raiders. He beat up on the Chiefs. Uh, He did pretty well against the Lions both times, though in both he did start relatively slow. He even had a pretty darn good game against the Seahawks, as we talked about earlier this week. The, there is a significant possibility that Aaron Rodgers could have a throwback game for the ages as the Packers over or overcome the 49ers on their way to the Super Bowl. That would be pretty exciting to see. This plan might not work, though, because Aaron Rodgers has played 12 playoff games since the Packers won the Super Bowl back in the 2010 season, and he's managed to have a passer rating of more than 100, just four times in those 12 games. And to be completely fair, most quarterbacks have had pretty minimal success against the 49ers. They are a very, very good defense. They've only allowed a passer rating of more than 103 times this season. Drew Brees did it. Kyler Murray did it twice. Neither of them won. The 49ers defense is as good as you've heard. The seventh way the Packers can win at advance to the Super Bowl is for the entire 49ers facility to get hit by a meteorite sometime between now and Sunday. So this is pretty straightforward. Uh, Some sort of celestial body. In this example, a meteorite, it could be a comet. It could be a planet that we don't know about. Maybe the moon just scrapes a little bit closer to the earth than it usually does. The entire 49ers facility is wiped out and the Packers win by default. I like this uh, because like in the earlier example, the Packers don't have to actually play a game before the Super Bowl in this scenario. This might not work, though, because it does feel kind of bad to root for the widespread loss of human life, because in addition to all of the 49ers being wiped off the planet, there would probably be some collateral damage there, too. And who knows what the additional ramifications could be here. I mean, maybe something hits the earth and you have further environmental consequences beyond that. I mean, San Francisco and a lot of California is on a lot of fault lines, earthquake activity there is very common. We are kind of waiting for the big one. So you'd never know, like a meteorite strike, maybe that is the the tipping point that knocks California or most of the West Coast kind of into the Pacific Ocean. That would be Suboptimal, I think at the very least, you're taking most of the NFC West with you there too. So that's kind of a problem for some of the Packers upcoming schedules too. And if this were to happen, they might just cancel the rest of the season anyway, which would make it difficult for the Packers to get to the Super Bowl. So among the plans that I've proposed, this is not so much a plan as something that could happen, but it still ranks pretty low on the list. Finally, the eighth and final way that the Packers could advance to the Super Bowl is that they would finally play their full-on, most complete game. They would play solid start to finish in every phase. They execute their game plan on offense with no lulls, no disappearing for long stretches. They play solid defense, maybe force a turnover, sack Jimmy Garoppolo a couple times. They don't make any mistakes on special teams. They ride out a couple of the 49ers' big shots, since you know that they will throw a couple haymakers in there as well. They build a lead. They salted away late. Maybe they take over with three or four minutes left in the game, uh, get a couple first downs, run out the clock, run to the Super Bowl. I like this because the Packers haven't had what people have called a complete game all season, to the point that you wonder even what that means. I saw people complaining about that after the Seahawks win, which of all the games the Packers have played this year, that felt the most complete to me you let a couple three and outs on offense really take on a larger importance there than they probably should if you're worried about the Packers not playing that complete of a game against the Seahawks. That's not to say it was perfect, but it was a pretty darn good game. But if the Packers did play that quote-unquote complete game this Sunday, beat the 49ers, head into the Super Bowl on that note, I think it would put away a lot of the doubters that have called them frauds or fake or an underachieving 13-3 and team, or the worst 13-3 team, whatever. Those voices would have to grow a lot quieter if they put together that proverbial complete game. But why might this not work? Well, the 49ers are a very good team. They might even be a great team. But if the Packers can play their best, avoid mistakes, and hang in there to the very end. I don't know if there's a reason that the Packers can't win using this approach, playing that complete game start to finish, just executing what they do on offense, on defense, not screwing it up on special teams. If the Packers do those things, it may ultimately not matter all that much what the 49ers do. This game, even if the the Packers are the underdog, Even if the 49ers are on paper and on the field a couple times this year, the better team, factoring in head-to-head, factoring in common opponents. Even if the 49ers are better, if the Packers do what they are capable of doing, there's no reason that they can't just win straight up. You may not need a career game from Aaron Rodgers. You may not need a career game from Aaron Jones. You may not need a career game from Devontae Adams. You may not need something to fall from the sky, a meteorite, a planet, just a miracle of some kind. You may not need that to happen for the Packers to win if they can just be the team we know that the Packers can be and have been rooting for all season long. If that team shows up now, one game away from the Super Bowl, pretty soon we might be able to pull that one game away from the Super Bowl talk out of our lexicon because the Packers will actually be in the big game. So I've got for you on this episode. I do appreciate you listening in. We will be back win or lose after the NFC Championship game. I'm excited for this game. I hope you enjoy it this weekend. Watch it with some of your friends, watch it alone. Watch it streaming on your cell phone from an undisclosed location. Whatever you do, just have a good time because this sort of opportunity is pretty rare. We've had a handful of these in our lives together. As Packers fans, I hope we get more, but that's not guaranteed to anybody. I hope you appreciated what we've done with the power sweep and with Blue 58 this season. I'm excited for what comes ahead, whether it is previewing the Super Bowl or heading straight into the offseason. It's going to be fun to go through that together. And if you like what you heard here or on another episode, leave us a review on whatever platform you use. It does help more people find the show. If you'd like to consider taking your support to the next level, patreon.com slash thepowersweep is the best place to do that. A dollar a month gets you access to some premium content and just helps you support what we do here through offsetting some of our hosting costs for the show and for the site. We appreciate that very much. But if you would like, you can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, email, whatever leave us some feedback, leave us a question, uh, tell us what you think of this show. All of that advances the conversation around the Packers, which furthers our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, on the eve of the Super Bowl, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans. And better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.